to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on the social medias at the tag down here. Sorry, uh, video is new to me. Um, you can find me on the social medias at Salad Galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with a double L, Galore. And it is officially draft week, people. At the time I'm recording right now, Sunday, if you count it as the start of the week, if you don't, I don't really care. Guess what? It's under seven days till the conclusion of the NFL draft in just four days at the time of listening for this episode in your ear holes at a maximum until the first day of the NFL draft. So it is very exciting here. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm based in Kansas City, so I am through the moon or to the moon, through the roof, whatever you want to say it, basically to be attending the NFL draft live in person this year. Um, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be fascinating seeing how a lot of these scenarios play out specifically with a lot of first round picks, most likely not staying with the teams that they are currently with as well as quite a few teams actually rocking more than one first round pick. So the last couple of episodes I've been focusing mainly on, draft fits um specifically team fits i did a red light green light segment uh, for two straight weeks if you have not listened to that yet i basically went through positional breakdowns of which teams will be targeting certain positions early in the draft which one will be targeting them later in the draft if they will be ignoring them outright or if there's somewhere in the middle where really 50 50 what their actual needs are those are typically the teams that are doing quite a bit better than those left in the NFL. And then the most recent episode that I dropped after that was actually working on specifically um, prospect fits. So it was kind of the end of my off season prior to the NFL draft work where I broke down players, broke down specific fits, um, broke down basically a pain slash panic index for certain prospects in certain positions. Uh, I gave the worst landing spots for um, players that basically landed in certain categories. So starting QBs, the QBs in this year's class where you are thinking they are going to start day one, or they're going to start at some point year one, where the best and where the worst landing spots for those guys for fantasy purposes. Same thing with the running backs, but I broke that up into the big three down backs or the scat backs. The same thing with wide receivers, the big bodied wide receivers, the small wide receivers, and then tight ends grouped together as one because we don't know that much about tight ends or quarterbacks. So uh, why get too much in the weeds there outside of our uh, general content that we like to do here at the DWZ Network? But today is going to be a fun episode. It is draft day fact or cap. So I'm going to be breaking down 32 rumors for, let me rephrase that, 31 rumors for all 31 first round picks um, associated with those teams, teams that are looking to kind of move up the positional, um, I would say the positional fits that make the most sense, as well as the rumors that are currently happening that seem kind of out of pocket. So I'm going to be telling you whether or not it's cap or fact based off of my own opinion, and then we will come back to this whole experiment here after this week's draft and see how well I did in the next episode. But I guess there's no reason really to be messing around with this. So let's just dive on in. Pick number one, you're looking at the Carolina Panthers. Um, for those of you that are not aware, they traded up from number nine with the Chicago Bears for quite a draft haul. Um, there's pretty much no way they don't take a quarterback number one overall. But um, what seemed like a locked and loaded surefire thing of CJ Stroud going there is now being kind of reported or rumored that the Panthers don't want C.J. Stroud. 
for me, that's cap. Um, there's talk of him basically <laughs> falling. Um, I guess that'll be another general thing that we can talk about here, but um, I just don't see him falling as much as people are saying. Uh, if people are starting to reach on Will Levis or reaching on Anthony Richardson over a guy like CJ Stroud, that is a team issue. Um, that is a, a analysis issue and just overall prospect scouting issue for that overall team. And you should be a little bit concerned if you're wanting to let that guy fall, um, specifically with the team in the top four to five picks. Typically, um, if you're moving up for a guy with basically zero production profile um, or they have a production profile, and it's just really, really bad. Um, it's it's not usually a good move. Um, one of the next couple episodes I will be doing, um, I've done this every year for the last three years now, is actually I break down the top five quarterback prospects of every draft class, looking at how they specifically fared against top 25 AP teams, as well as in any bowl games that they played in over the last two years, breaking down stats, breaking down plays, um, the teams that actually played, what the teams were looking like at that certain standpoint. So um, I've already done all the legwork, the analysis and stuff like that. And plot twist, give you a heads up. CJ Stroud did pretty damn good against top 25 opponents. So um, he's a guy that I don't see falling. So I'm calling cap at the Panthers, not wanting CJ Stroud and going a different route at quarterback. Um, I think it is going to be a shock to a lot of people as the Bryce Young talk has started to kind of heat up, but I don't really see how CJ Stroud is not going to be selected by the Panthers who have basically loved him and publicly loved him this entire process. The second factor cap question is Houston will be passing on quarterback at 102. Um, this one is funny to me uh, because I don't think Houston's in a spot basically to give up a chance at one of the top two quarterbacks in this year's class as a first year head coach. Um, it is a really hard sell without bringing in a much better veteran than Davis Mills in to compete for the starting quarterback that you're going to basically not take a quarterback when you are in the top two picks. It just, it just does not make sense. Even with number 12, why run the risk of having to move up with number 12 when you can secure your quarterback and still end up basically causing that cascade of the other quarterbacks and getting another great, in all reality, top five to six player in this year's class at number 12. It just makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm calling cap again on the rumor that Houston will be passing on quarterback at the 102 position. Going on to number three, um, the rumor, uh, the rumor, the draft rumor, and uh, really consensus right now is that Arizona Cardinals at pick number three will not be picking at number three, and I believe this to be wholeheartedly true. Um, I think there are multiple teams within the top sixteen, specifically, that are clamoring to get ahead of the Colts to number three. I think Arizona is completely content with taking the best deal that they can get, regardless of how far they have to go back for it in a similar vein to what the bears had to do to basically hop up. Those guys can then secure the better of the two prospects between quarterback three and quarterback four. And then you're left with a situation at number four with Indianapolis that people aren't talking about enough in the fact that they could very easily be left with the fourth best quarterback on the board, which is not what you want to be at picking at, Pick number four. Uh, ultimately, it's just, it's just not what should happen. And they don't have an option outside of going quarterback in the first round, uh, outside of trading for Lamar Jackson. So if it were to be this situation that uh, the Colts were to pass at 104, you, you have to trade for Lamar Jackson or bust, basically. But um, I'm going 100% fact on the Arizona thing. I think there's basically no way that Arizona Cardinals stay at number three. So I think we're going to be seeing a different team moving up into that third overall position. That leads into the conversation of number four um, with the Colts rumor being that they're okay with whoever the fourth quarterback off the board is falling to them at 104. Um, complete cap, uh, complete cap situation for me due to the fact that when you look at this team, 
they have a pretty stable room around them, but you can't just inject a project. Uh, quarterback has been something they have continuously missed on year in, year out with veteran options. The rookies that they've been drafting, even though they have not been high-end rookies since Andrew Luck, have not panned out whatsoever. Um, they've tried pretty much everything other than drafting a high-end quarterback early in the draft due to draft potential and draft positioning. They're currently at the 104. They cannot miss. They cannot take a hand-me-down or sloppy seconds type of move here. They have to either get their guy at 104, move up to get their guy ahead of 104, or their SOL, basically, is what it is. So 100% cap on them being okay with whatever quarterback falls to them. Number five rumor on the board is with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, it is that the Seattle Seahawks are in on Jalen Carter at 105. Um, I think this is cap. Um, I think there is a very real and viable situation where Will Anderson will be available at 105 for the Seattle Seahawks. If that is the case, they will not take a guy with all of these off the field questions and Jalen Carter over Will Anderson when you have such a blue chip player like Will Anderson available for you. Um, and the upside in, I would say, the model that the team has shown its propensity to go towards every year prior to this is not towards a Jalen Carter. It is towards a large athletic freak in the form of like a Tyree Wilson. So if Will Anderson is off the board at three or four, wherever he decides to go, I think the pick is more likely going to be a Tyree Wilson than reaching on a Jalen Carter. Even though I like Jalen Carter's talent, I just don't think that Seattle is the correct fit or the type of team that will take that flyer on him. So it's cap for me on Jalen Carter to Seattle. Detroit at six brings us to our next one. It has basically been the drumbeat all offseason, and that is that Detroit is going to take a cornerback at 106. Um, they brought in some help in free agency, but for me, this is still fact. Shipping away Jeff Okuda opened up another massive hole for them. They may have brought in some other pieces, but there's no way that they get away basically of not taking a cornerback with one of their first two picks, specifically with how talented this group is at the top of the draft. I would say that they would be the team realistically with the first cornerback falling off. So this is a fact. I think Detroit does go cornerback specifically at one of six. The seventh one leads us to uh, back to the Arizona conversation with the Raiders. Um, the you know, the consensus rumors that the Raiders are going to be moving up from 107 for a quarterback. Um, everything we've heard from Josh McDaniels since taking over the team and really this offseason since taking and uh, shipping off Derek Carr, it's pretty much been rookie or bust for them. Um, they know they're not going to get their guy at 107. So the only way that they can move up to get a guy that they like or not get again, those sloppy seconds, as I was describing for the Colts is to move ahead of the Colts to three. They're the most likely trade partner. The sleepers behind them, obviously, are Tennessee um, and Washington are realistically the guys that you have to look out for to move up there as well. But for me, it just makes too much sense. There's too much smoke and too much connective tissue kind of going on between seven and three for it not to make sense, especially since they are in opposite divisions, never really play each other. And there's not a lot of uh, bad blood between the teams is what I would say. Going on to the next team, you have the Falcons. Uh, prevailing rumor is one of two players is going to be going to the Falcons at eight. It's either going to be Nolan Smith or Bishop Robinson. Um, that is the rumor right now. I think that is cap. Um, I understand that they usually put an asterisk when players come from the University of Georgia, but reaching on a guy like Nolan Smith, who is severely undersized, is a move that Atlanta at this point, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they will not make the mistake again. Um, they've done it time and time again of not picking the appropriate pass rusher and reaching on a guy with much less production and just being a hype 
physical freak type of deal, even with like a Kalaja Kansi or Nolan Smith in this range for them would just not make sense. And then taking Bijan with the successful run of Algier last year at over a thousand yards from scrimmage, very solid under the radar running group there. And uh, the fact that they can turn pretty much any grinded out running back into a success in Arthur Smith's system tells me that Bijan, albeit would be a massive upgrade and would be great for the offense, isn't the smartest pick on a team with a lot of defensive holes. So I do think that they go the end or cornerback, but I do not think that it's going to be Nolan Smith or Bijan Robinson. So it is a cat from me. Back to the Bijan conversation is one that I would absolutely hate at 109, but it is that the Chicago Bears are in on Bijan Robinson if he falls to 109. Unfortunately, I think this is a fact. Um, There's a little bit of uh, pessimistic attitude going in here from yours truly here to talk about this a little bit. Um, It is a move that the fan base would hate, which is typically what we have seen from Chicago, even with Ryan Poles last year. And it is something that having the big holes and big needs that we know that we have on the team, um, this just feels like a situation and there's a lot of smoke to this situation basically to where I I don't see a scenario where if he's available, we don't take him. The only way it doesn't happen is probably if Jalen Carter is also available on the board at nine. It's probably a harder discussion, but I have a sick feeling to my stomach that if we are picking at nine and not moving back, we're going to be taking Bijan. So I'm going to go fact with this one. The next on the board is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, This one is more of an overarching status quo. This is what the Eagles do type of rumor. So there's no real need to talk about it more. And that is that Philly is fine with taking best player available at 110. Um, I, I think this is probably the year for cap. Um, if there's someone that they want specifically due to the team needs directly in front of them in the Falcons in Chicago being teams that both need offensive line and defensive line help um, with the aging group that you're seeing on the defensive line in Philadelphia, if there is a defensive prospect on the D line that they like a lot, um, they are a team that I could see moving up into the Raiders pick if the Raiders decide to stay there and all the quarterbacks are gone anyway, or if Arizona moves back to that seven spot, it would not shock me in the least bit if they were to move back again directly behind the Falcons in Chicago to allow Philly to jump those guys to get the tried and true defensive player or offensive line player that the two teams in front of them need. So this is cap. I don't think Philly stays at 10. I think it's one of the few years where we'll see how he probably be a little bit aggressive just because he has this positional spot to pick from that he hops a couple of people to get his guy. Going on to number 11, um, the rumor prevailing and one that actually dropped um, at the time of recording Sunday for me today was that Tennessee is not planning on riding with Tannehill and that he is available regardless of what the GM says. So basically this one is that Tennessee is riding with Tannehill in 23 and passing on moving up from 111 to four quarterback. Um, Depending on how you look at it, I think they are staying put. I don't think that they're going to be the team that aggressively moves up due to the financial aspect the team, the way that it's set up. Um, they would have to be extremely aggressive and they're another team like Arizona where they have so many holes that going into a quarterback situation or attacking a quarterback situation in this draft for a rookie who is not one of the top two for them just doesn't make a lot of sense due to the fact of how much money Tannehill is making this year. Um, It's really hard to envision a world where Vrabel is okay cutting costs, not being able to sign players, and then just kind of tanking out with a guy, letting him grow a year. Not really what we've seen with Vrabel. Um, He also didn't really give much of a shot to a guy like Malik Willis 
due to the fact that when he was on the board, he showed bad play, and they immediately were like, get off the field, please. So uh, this is a fact. I don't see Tennessee moving up at all from here. I think they're going to keep Tanny. I think they're going to take offensive tackle. They may be the first team to take offensive tackle if it is a skill position and or just straight defensive first top 10. And it makes a lot of sense for them to stay there and get the best available offensive tackle due to the fact that their entire offensive line is just a question mark right now. The next team is Houston, back on the board at 12. And the prevailing rumor is that Houston is going to select one player at number two and then attempt to basically move up to get a better second player just due to how much draft capital that they have. Them moving pick number 12 and pick number uh, 32, I guess, no, 33, I guess is what it would be in this year's NFL draft to move back up into the mid first range, just a couple of picks basically, maybe throw in a fifth or a sixth as well there. It just makes a lot of sense, especially. Um, for a team that likes to trade back. Like I said, um, I mean, even Atlanta would make some sense to pop back a little bit. Um, Chicago, Chicago has been looking for any excuse to trade back again. So um, something that couldn't happen earlier, Chicago's looking for that early second round pick moving back to the equivalent of three spots to pick up that second would be pretty big for them. And I don't think they ask for more. Um, I think it's a fact. Um, I think Houston is moving up from the one twelve. And I think it is the smart thing to do with the players that may be available. It's probably the only time in the next couple of years that they're going to have the availability of where their first round picks are to get two blue chip players. So when you are in that range without having to mortgage the entire future, you kind of have to take that shot. So I think that is a fact that Houston will be moving up from 112. Next at 13 is the New York Jets. They are the wild card, shake it up, um, completely random. Uh, They're probably going to go offensive line if they're here, but the rumor that's going around is that they're going to be picking there as of right now, that the Aaron Rodgers trade is just back and forth and not really close right now. So uh, it's going to be the team that's selecting their pick at the 113. And for me, that's Cav. I, I don't think that there's any situation, basically, that the Jets are picking at 13 because I think when push comes to shove, Green Bay is going to give in basically for the overall or not Green Bay. I guess the New York Jets are going to give in to the demands of them when they realize that there's no quarterbacks that they can take. They can't ride it out with Zach Wilson again next year. And so you're going to see a situation where the 113 is going to get moved to Green Bay probably on draft day for Aaron Rodgers or like the night before Aaron Rodgers likes to seal up the spotlight. So I could very easily see it happen on draft night, because that's all people would basically be talking about at that point, giving Green Bay 113 and 116. So it's a cap that they're going to be staying still. They're going to be picking at 113. I think there's no way that they are selecting at 113. Ooh, take a sip real quick. Also, shameless plug. It is a new beer that I am drinking here on the stream. For those of you on YouTube, you can see the beautiful can. It's actually very nice. It's got that uh, weird, like, matte finish to it. It's actually pretty... uh I don't know, pretty smooth to the touch, if that makes sense. But it's called Outlaw Brewing. Uh, it's a newer distillery out of Colorado and brewery and distillery. Sorry. So they actually are doing a pretty good promotional around our area. Anyone in the Midwest can probably find it right now. But they've got a rebate for a BOGO right now. Very good beer. Um, 16 bucks. You can get 48 of them. And they are solid for light beer. So that's my shameless non-sponsor plug for you on the day. But now that my uh, whistle, uh, whistle has been wetted, That's a weird phrase. Try to say that again. (laughs) Whistle has been wetted. Let's go ahead and hop into the next couple picks. Um, You have the New England Patriots at 14. Um, The 
prevailing rumor, prevailing statement is that they need wide receiver, but they're not going to take wide receiver. Um, they're going to be going any position but wide receiver due to their inability to actually draft for it. They're a team that makes a lot of sense to make a move similar to what the Eagles did last year in moving for A.J. Brown. Um, if there's anyone who contract questions, like a T. Higgins or something like that, um, they're probably the team that's going to make the move for them now in New England to get that happening. It's a slightly better pick than an A.J. Brown got from them with the 118 last year, so it's something that could probably bring in a pretty good piece for the team and would have really helped Mac Jones long-term bringing in a true number one because I don't think the guy you're going to get at 114, due to the fact that JSN is probably not going to be on the board at 114, um, will truly help out your team to the level that you need it, even with Juju there. Um, number 16, or sorry, number 115 in the halfway point technically of this year's first round draft due to Miami not having a pick is that the Green Bay only picks at 115 in this year's draft. Um, already talked on this a little bit, but this is cap. Um, a lot of talks of tight end as well at 115. If they get 113 as well, I think that having 113 and 115 allows you the luxury of taking a very good tight end prospect at 115, realistically the best one in really rounding out this offense for Jordan Love. If you have both picks, I think it would make a lot of sense to do that. And then they're also another team where uh, wide receiver would make sense for them. So um, I think a skill position is all but assured if they end up with 113 and 115 at that 115 pick. Going on to the 116 pick, you have Washington. Uh, the rumor on the board is that they're going to stay put. Um, they don't want to move up for a quarterback. Ron Rivera has been adamant over the last you know month and a half that basically their quarterback situation is locked in with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. But I am going to call fact. Just kidding. It's a, it's a cap. Um, <laughs> Washington is not staying put. They, they are the team I think that is going to make probably an aggressive push that most people don't see in this year's draft. Um, I, I, they're the type of team where I could very easily see them switching with Arizona in the same vein as the Raiders could. It's going to take a little bit more and it will probably just end up being a player. So there's a lot of defensive help needed in Arizona, right? Uh, if you're looking at the team in the NFL outside of San Francisco that has probably the best defensive line prospects on the entire team, it is a team like Washington who's able to sweeten the pot with potentially a, a first next year, a guy like Chase Young who's going to be on an expiring contract who hasn't truly hit for them this year, and then 116 moving up to number three um, gives Arizona basically at that point two firsts next year. <laughs> a tried and true player and they're staying inside the top half of the draft which is pretty good for them when what they're going to need at this point is going to be either offensive tackle or defensive line which at that point of the draft still going to get a prospect that's pretty solid for them so uh, again cap on them staying put i think washington is the team like the raiders that move up um, either to get quarterback number three or quarterback number four in this year's draft the next pick is the pittsburgh steelers at 17 this is another trade question um the pittsburgh steelers don't pick at 117 and move up for either an offensive tackle or Jalen Carter. That's the prevailing rumor. A lot of rumors on the board right now with Chicago, depending on who's available at the time of 109, that there's basically a trade in place with the Steelers um, to do that swap, depending on who's available. And I think that this is a fact. I, I don't think that there's any way that 117 is going to be viable for Pittsburgh. They need one of the tried and true top three tackles there's going to be a run of them in this teen area specifically starting with that philadelphia tennessee chicago area so if they're going to want their guy or a specific guy that they feel really strongly about they're going to have to make a swap into that eight nine ten range and so i think that's something that is going to happen <clears throat> 
Pick number 118 has the Detroit Lions. Um, with the information going around right now with Jamison Williams, he's going to miss basically half the season due to a suspension for gambling, RIP. Um, but the prevailing rumor right now is that they're going to draft a wide receiver at 118 after losing Jamo for half the season. Because right now they don't have TJ Hawkinson. They're losing their first round pick from last year due to an off the field issue. And they only have Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, if Bijan's still on the board, it could help a little bit, but the offense can't run exclusively through a 34-year-old Marvin Jones, Amon Ross St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift, especially when you're losing a guy like um, Jamal Williams and bringing in David Montgomery. You have pretty much the same running back group. You, you just need more pass catchers in this offense in order for it to flow. So they're a place that I think it makes a lot of sense to take a wide receiver, a lot of sense also to take a tight end, um, but the thing with them is that they, they don't typically do these splashy moves. So I'm on the fence. I will go with fact for the time being, but it wouldn't shock me if they don't go wide receiver with either one of these picks. They ride it out because they trust in Jameson Williams. But for me right now, it just makes a little bit too much sense. So I'm going to go fact at wide receiver at 118 for the Detroit Lions. Pick number 119 is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, a lot of talk right now with Tampa Bay taking Bijan if he's available at 119. And I'm pretty sure that is the absolute farthest that we're going to see Bijan slide. There's no way he gets into that back end of the first. Mocks have him Philadelphia at the 30th overall pick. Not going to happen. Um, Tampa Bay needs a running back. Uh, they need a long-term running back, and they know that they're not getting their quarterback because they've refused to trade up drastically to get it. Um, it's a team that typically doesn't do it. <clears throat> they've basically restructured their contracts on their team to make another run this year. So rookie quarterback doesn't help that. What does a baller running back to come in and take over for Leonard Fournette on a team that likes to run the ball a lot. So it just makes a lot of sense. I again, I think this is the stopgap point, the stopping point for any Bijan fall that may or may not happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I think it is a fact that Bijan is available at 119. That is Tampa Bay's locked and loaded laser focused pick for them in the first round. 20th overall pick, you have the Seattle Seahawks. Um, the prevailing, I don't know, theory is that Seattle double down will double down on D-line in the first um, with their 120 pick. So they have the 105 pick. They're in on Jalen Carter. I called cap. I think it's more of a Tyree Wilson pick. But this is also the range where they could get that D-tackle or another edge. Um, this is kind of the range where I see, like, a Kalaja Kansi going. I see a Lucas Van Ness going. There was a lot of hype earlier on in the draft season, came back, and it's starting to kind of fade away again for these prospects. Hell, even a Miles Murphy would make a lot of sense here. Um, they like the bigger guys, the faster prototypical edges, and those are the guys who can do that. The Miles Murphys, the Kalajikansis, and the, um, why did I blink on it, Luke Van Ness. Um, those are the three prospects. I think that they're going to have a crack at one of those at 120, and I think that they do double dip on the D-line because that was, without a doubt, their biggest issue last year. And the fact that they were able to lock down their secondary with the very, very good draft picks they made last year in Kobe Kobe Bryant and oh, why am I going to blank on this one? Uh, you know who I'm talking about. There's a very good corner. Um, he was basically neck and neck for defensive rookie of the year all last year, but um, they need D line help. And I think that doubling down makes a lot of sense. They're one of the few teams with the luxury of being able to do that and really shoring up a specific entire position group in just one draft is all you can really ask for, for a team. 121, you have the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, they go wide receiver at 121. That is the prevailing theory, basically. Um, there's a lot of PFF stats, advanced receiving stats and stuff like that, where Keenan Allen really hasn't slowed down when it comes to production profiles. But 
the entire team in general is the slowest wide receiver group in the entire NFL. They had to bring in a guy that's been a journeyman bouncing around the last couple of years in Jalen Guyton, who's a deep th- uh, speed threat and really the best one that they've had since like early career Travis Benjamin. But right now their team is extremely slow and they need a burner on this team. Um, they're a team that makes a lot of sense for a Quinton Johnson or a lot of sense for a Jalen Hyatt. So those are the two picks that I would have pegged here more than likely. Um, and they are a team that I don't think that they pass on wide receiver at all. They're, they're going to make a reach pick because they just need help in general um, due to injuries, due to ages. Like there's just a lot of question marks in this position. And Justin Herbert's rookie contract is getting real real close to ending so they have to figure it out while they can with the cheap money before they have to start paying more people and their window closes going on to pick 22 um the prevailing rumor basically with baltimore because there's not a lot of information out there due to the lamar issue is that they're going to just stay true to form and take a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman at 122 I think it's true. I I don't think that they're a team that needs to get creative or wild or anything like that with the way that they're drafting right now. They've always been a BPA, um, typically in the trenches in the first round. And this is another draft where taking BPA with all the trades, projected move-ups, shake-ups, quarterbacks, skill positions that are probably going to happen just before them. Best case scenario, they're going to end up getting a guy again this year's draft where we say, how did Baltimore get that player? Such a good drafting strategy from Baltimore. So It'll be interesting to see how it pans out, but that one is a fact statement as well for me. And another one here that I'm kind of on the fence with is at 123, and this is with Minnesota. Um, So they have two dire needs. It is cornerback and it is wide receiver now that they do not have Adam Thielen. Um, The prevailing theory is that every mock out there, every analyst out there is basically saying that Minnesota needs to take a wide receiver they're going to. There's a lot of questions at wide receiver. They're talking about cutting down Cook. Their defensive backfield is absolutely atrocious. Atrocious. So when you're looking at Minnesota and taking wide receiver and saying that with fact at 123, I I can't get – behind that i think it's cap i i think that corner is still their biggest need and with how deep this class is the run's only going to be probably two to three in the first 15 picks there's probably going to be the third or fourth best corner maybe their second best corner left on the board for them at 123 so i don't think that they have the luxury of passing on it and their team is still win now mode so if they can't sure up the back end of their defense they're not going anywhere it's been proven year in year out with minnesota so it'll be pretty interesting to see how that goes Ooh, another voice break a little bit another sip for all of you watching and a time for another sponsor so um, for those of you that are not in the group chat or have not been paying attention to my individual social medias we actually started a little merch store. So I started it for my individual stuff. Uh, a lot of what I do is personalized custom jerseys, um, specifically blue lock stuff. If you know what that is cool. If you do not awesome, but it's basically handmade personal bottle wicking jerseys, tight fit meant to play in great quality. And my punchline on everything is that, uh, Everything that I make doesn't feel like sandpaper. So that's one of the hardest things that you can basically try to find. Um, you will find the link directly below what it is called Dally's Merch is the store. We currently have a couple of DWZ specific products on there as well. Um, the first drop for us was the Dynasty Supreme shirt. So it is the Supreme graphic logos. Everything's embroidered on nice, basically comfort color, heathered shirts. Fit nice and snugly. You can get them larger, smaller, 
every size underneath the moon. Um, there's also multiple colors. There's also a Dynasty Supreme trucker hat, multiple purchases of each at this point. So people are big fans. If you want to check them out, again, you can find it at www.etsy.com slash shop slash Dally's Merch. Or you can just go to Etsy, type in Dally's Merch, D-A-L-L-Y-S-M-E-R-C-H, and you will be able to find the links, find all the products. Any support at all obviously goes directly back to pumping out more content here for you on the DWZ network, um, better supplies. I still don't have a mic. I'm just doing this old school. So uh, that's ultimately the end goal is just to help us give a little bit of a better product. But again, if you're interested in blue lock materials, uh, eventual other anime shirts, that's just kind of the niche that I, I do on a lot of my stuff, as well as a lot of dynasty or fantasy football specific content and gear. That is the place you're going to want to check out. Again, it is scrolling at the bottom of the screen. If you were on YouTube or just check out Etsy, Dally's merch. <clears throat> Going into the next half, though, back to our regularly scheduled program, we will hop in with the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick number 24. This one is just probably the most chalky pick that I can think of in the first round. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars take a DB at 124, and I think that that's a fact. Um, it's pretty much the only thing that's ever been mocked to them. There's pretty much no major needs on this team outside of that, and maybe right tackle right now, but uh, this is a little rich for the right tackles that will be available right now at 24. Um, I think that they may be a team that moves back as well if they don't pick here, but if they're selecting at 24, I think it's a DB or bust for them, so that is a fact statement for me. The next team on the board is that the New York Giants take another small slot receiver in the form of Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers at 125. I think it's fact. Um, they just have not learned for their lessons yet, even with the new regime still targeting smaller guys. Wanda Robinson last year, they, they're trying to fill that slot role and get a guy who can stay healthy consistently. And it just has not happened. Um, they refuse to take the big guys. Kenny Galladay was kind of like a massive bust is what I would say in this situation. So it'll be interesting to see where they go, but if they are taking a wide receiver, which I think they are, they're going to take another smaller slot. So this is a fact statement for me. It's just ingrained in the team. And until I see otherwise, <clears throat> keep it in that rumor mill. It's no longer rumor. It's just fact. Another one that's a little bit spicier, but another one I have is fact. Uh, you'll notice there's actually one left out of the rest of them that is a cap. All the rest are fact. A lot of these back teams, it makes too much sense with the rumors that are happening right now for it kind of not to happen. Um, this one is that Dallas moves the 126 for a veteran defensive tackle. I think that's a fact. I think it's a move that would make a ton of sense in a similar vein of what Kansas City typically has done, um, Baltimore has typically done. Those back-end teams moving out of the first round, giving up their pick to get the back end of a contract or a slightly pricier contract due to being able to actually put it on their books right now. Dallas needs a D tackle. They're not getting their specific probably target here at 26 unless they're reaching for it. So it just makes a lot of sense. A, a, a guy like DeForest Buckner um, would make a ton of sense here. Um, it's a little bit cheap for him. I think I don't think that Indy's just going to take the 126 for him, but a team that has a lot of needs, that has a defensive tackle surplus would probably be very inclined to move up with Dallas for that prospect, filling two holes at once and not really having to be concerned with missing on a defensive line prospect like they've done so many times in the past. The next team at 127 is the Buffalo Bills. Um, the, the rumors that the Buffalo Bills take a wide receiver in the first for the first time since I believe that would be 2014 Sammy Watkins and only the third time total since 1996. So going all the way back to 1996 before that, it was another like six or seven years before that or whatever, but 
in my lifetime, they have only taken a wide receiver in the first round three times. They don't do it. They are a trench team. They focus specifically on the trench team, but this is a team who is in win now mode. I think that if one of their top targets is available at 27, they are going to be a little bit too greedy to pass them up at that point. They need another receiving option in this game. Gabe Davis is fun, but he's not the type that they're looking for. They're looking for a true slot to free up digs to do just kind of whatever he wants to do is what I would say. And so if one of those slot guys, uh, the guy I would like the most here is a guy like Josh Downs, would just completely open up this offense and it just makes a lot of sense. So it is a fact for me, we are going to see probably a very surprising pick with the wide receivers selected here. I don't think it's going to be who we expect it to be, but the Buffalo bills are going to take a wide receiver at 27. The next pick is one that I also have as a kind of a luxury pick. Um, with the way that the board is shaking out and how I think it's going to be shaking out going into 28, the biggest need on offense for the Cincinnati Bengals is still offensive line. Joe Burrow still, since he entered the league is leagues, leagues above any other quarterback in terms of sacks taken last year, led the league again, right ahead of a guy like Justin Fields, who we all thought was just getting murdered all the time. Plot twist. Joe Burrow was getting taken down even more than that. Offensive line is their biggest need, but I think the tight end temptation for them on offense with a passing option, the questions at wide receiver after this year with the likes of Tyler Boyd being a free agent and the contract of T Higgins having to come up, be paid or be shipped off makes too much sense. If they can get a guy like Dalton Kincaid or a guy like Michael Mayer here at 28, it would be a fit that would just be a little bit too good to pass up for the Buffalo Bills and for the Seattle Seahawks back to back. Either a tight end wide receiver option makes too much sense, so that is a fact. <clears throat> Going into pick 29, you have the New Orleans Saints getting that pick back from the San Francisco 49ers um, after the trade previously. And basically, the talk of the town is that New Orleans is going to trade out of 29 for a veteran offensive lineman player or to trade back to gain more draft capital to take multiple offensive line prospects. I think that this is also a fact. Um, the biggest hole and really only hole that I can see really right now on the team in general is offensive line. Their offensive interior is very questionable. They have a tackle who's very old. So there, there's just a lot of question marks right now on this offensive line for New Orleans. I think shoring that up, especially with the commitment to Derek Carr, again, with a no trade clause, another beefy contract, they basically have to protect him. They have to make this work or the front office is gone, basically. So uh, offensive line makes a lot of sense. There's quite a few people out there that could be moved as offensive line players, especially if you know cap restructuring can't fit or they're able to get a younger player in the earlier portions of the draft. So I have this as fact as well. New Orleans will be trading out of 129, either to acquire more picks in the second to take multiple offensive line prospects or for a veteran offensive line player. Pick number 31, what we are looking at here would be the Philadelphia Eagles taking a running back at 30 and passing on Bijan earlier in the draft. Um, This is the scenario that is, again, a fact for me. I think that they're going to get their RB2 on the board at 31. Um, If it's Gibbs, cool. If it's Zach Charbonnet, cool. If it's Sean Tucker, awesome. They're going to get their number two running back behind Bijan, lock that in as a fifth-year option, securing the fact that then they have a very cheap running back option locked in at a minimum for the next four years, basically five, they want the option in seven total at a cheaper rate than basically they're ever going to have to pay. Because at that point you can do five on the rookie, including the extension and then two years of franchising. And you're still not going to pay him as much as you would if you signed a veteran twice during that time period. So 
it's a move that makes a lot of sense. Um, Jameer Gibbs on the team would make a lot of sense um, pairing him up with that running style, pairing him up with the options, the passing downs, even with a guy like um, who they brought in in Rashad Penny out of Seattle. I think it is a fact that they are going to take running back at 30, um, secure that offensive landscape and sure up somewhere in the trenches at DPA <clears throat> earlier in the season, not season earlier in this year's draft. And then that takes us to the last overall pick that we are going to talk about today. And that is the Kansas city chiefs. <clears throat> the, the talk of the town is Zay flowers. Okay. I will keep it broader than just Zay flowers. I, I don't think I've seen a mock draft in the first of the last like month that hasn't had Zay flowers as the pick for the Kansas city chiefs at 31. I think it might go a little bit earlier, regardless, even if he's there, I think this is a hundred percent cap for the chiefs because people are not talking about the fact that right now, the Kansas city chiefs do not have a starting right tackle on their offensive line. Uh, they just don't. So they either have to trade for one, which is in their wheelhouse, or this is the perfect spot to take the best right tackle that's going to be available on day two, which will be a very hotly contested and combative position by probably five or six teams in the first 10 picks is what I would say of the second round. You're going to see right tackles flying off the board. Kin City is able to select their starting right tackle at 31, toss him in there, be a run stopper, secure Patrick Mahomes is right side, hopefully. And then guess what? Take a wide receiver later if you need to. They have 10 picks. They have the luxury of being able to basically package six of them if they wanted to just to move up to the beginning of the second round and take a wide receiver if they need it. Right now, Kansas City needs that right tackle. So it is complete cap that Zay Flowers or a wide receiver in general is going to be the pick for the Kansas City Chiefs in this year's draft. But <clears throat> a lot of talking here. A casual 40 minutes for you all broke down factor cap for all 32 positions with the NFL draft a couple of days away. Um, if you have any questions, you want to roast me, go for it. It's my opinion. Th this is just my, my rumor radar is how I would call this episode more so than anything. So it's been fun here talking about basically every pick that we will see on Thursday, my expectations. And I plan on, like I said, reviewing this immediately afterwards. The next couple of episodes following the NFL draft will be my immediate reaction, um, surprises, and immediate post-draft rankings, as well as my reactions to my factor cap episode to see how well I did, basically, just comparing, <clears throat> seeing exactly what happened with the picks, where the trades happened, the scenarios, if I was wrong, if I was right, just to see you know how my gut radar is doing nowadays. And then another episode following the top 25 AP games and the top five quarterbacks in the draft class, because I will be diving in exclusively into prospects now that we'll know their team fits in about a week to tell you what we should expect. Um, as you know, my process thus far has been what we have seen, not my expectations for them in the NFL. Um, when I give you prospect rankings, tier rankings, stuff like that, I'm working exclusively off of film stats, numbers, analytics based off of what they have done in college. I'm not projecting future success. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm telling you what they are as players right now, not knowing where they land. So a lot will change with the NFL draft, but the tiers typically don't get shaken up too much outside of one or two guys that I either have significantly too high, significantly too low, was wrong, didn't know how the NFL wanted it, and then we just cut them from the list and move them to the back. Um, so if that interests you, as always, follow the Dynasty Warzone Network, um, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're not a part of the Patreon, join the Patreon. Um, you can find us at patreon.com backwards slash Dynasty Warzone. Um, it's a great place to be. Um, the group chat is always popping and it is exciting. Um, 
as I mentioned before, if you're interested in any type of custom jerseys like the one I'm wearing in this video and or some Dynasty merch, specifically Dynasty Warzone embroidered, really nice stuff, check out Dally's merch on Etsy. Uh, the link will be pinned in the description, both of the podcast and on the actual YouTube video here. But until next week, let's have a great draft week, people. Um, I will be live streaming from the draft on Saturday day, or not Saturday, on Friday, day two, the 28th, with the rest of the Dynasty Warzone crew, giving you boots on the ground coverage while I am there. So get excited and get ready to talk rookies for basically ever. <laughs> uh, as always, I am Dallas, your host of the DWZ Rookie Rundown. And until next time, um, bye-bye. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.